Come see the new quiz show, Go Fact Yourself, with special guests Andy Richter and Fresh Air's Tanya Mosley. It's March 23rd at the Crawford. Get your tickets at las.com slash events. Studios. Pretty much I've always thought of rent control as, you know, this is like a tool to help renters and, and tenants. But in history, it never was there because people were trying to help the little guy. Like mm. there's other things that rent control was put into effect to try to stem and prevent. Let's start today with a word game. Which one speaks to you more? Control? Or hike. The sound effects may be swaying you, but how about if I stick rent in front of each of them? Rent control or rent hike? It probably changes things, especially if, like most Angelinos, you're a renter yourself. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you navigate this city. I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Rent control can be a real lifesaver, especially at times like this when inflation is making everything more expensive. And unfortunately, it's making rent more expensive too, because state and local laws allow rent hikes to go up with inflation. Here in LA, 30% of renters spend more than 50% of their income on rent. How did it get this way? Today, we're getting the backstory of rent control with LA Explained reporter Kaylin Hernandez. Kaylin, welcome back to How to LA. Hey, thanks so much. So, I think we need to talk about World War II for the start of the rent control story. Hollywood's most famous movie stars leave the film capital to help the government sell war bonds. Kind of set the stage for us, like what was happening in LA around this time when it came to housing. So... Back then, there were people, supplies, everything going to the war. Leaving the factory for shipment to United Nations battlefronts halfway around the world. The completed gun, credited with being the most effective weapon in the defense of London. And L.A. was an area where they were doing wartime production. You know, we were making, you know, planes and all that and, and weapons. So there was this big influx of people moving to Los Angeles for work. You know, the Great Depression just ended, mm-hmm. so people needed to make money. Um, But at that time, there also wasn't really housing being built because all of those supplies and such were being diverted. So we kind of had this rock and a hard place of there were so many people moving to Los Angeles, needing homes and housing, but housing wasn't being built. So we pretty much had like this really bad housing stock issue where it was full, wasn't expanding, but there was such high demand. And later on, you report that the solution was a rent freeze, right? What exactly was that and how did it come about? Rent freeze um, is exactly what it sounds like. Pretty much there's a law that goes into place and your rent is frozen, usually at that given time. But pretty much this was a federal rent freeze, a price control act, because, you know, the L.A. housing shortage that we were having wasn't particular to just our city. The federal government got involved. It was like mm. we see these these rising rents because, you know, demand was so high. It's kind of like the nature of the market for prices to skyrocket when (laughs) there's a big need. So they needed to find some way to stem that. 
And I also want to add that, you know, landlords' role in all of this, because things were so attached to supporting the war effort, they were for rent control, which is something you probably don't see too much of today. It was seen of like, we're all going to, you know, help the country get through this sort of thing. And it seems like things changed pretty dramatically after the war. You know, in your story, there's a photo of a property owners cheering at the L.A. City Hall in 1950 after a vote in their favor. What exactly happened in that photo? Yeah, so in that photo, it was really interesting. Um, that was the moment the L.A. City Council voted to decontrol or just remove rent control in the city. And this came after pretty much, you know, the war was over. Landlords were like, OK, we can't afford to have our rent frozen anymore because of rising costs. And so they kind of banded together to protest, uh, to push the city to remove rent control. So when that vote finally happened, and there were, you know, I think a couple federal legislative acts that went through that pretty much allowed LA City to pull out of rent control, it was a big win for them. People were really happy and cheering in the city hall chambers. I'm curious because I don't know how much rent was in L.A., which I'm sure it's a substantial difference as to what we pay now. But do you remember reporting on any of the like prices or what people were asking for and the changes that ended up happening with this like move? I think it was the L.A. City Library has like an old rent form that people were filling out. And this person's rent, I think, was something of like 120 bucks. And then what the proposed increase was like three or four hundred dollars, I think. It could have been more than that. But I think that gives like a little bit of example of going up to four or five hundred is a big, big jump. And so did this kind of remain the status quo for a while as like rents hikes started happening? Yeah, definitely. It was status quo for a little bit in terms of rent costs. Um I know I will say that other cities might have had some things going in L.A. County, but for L.A. City itself, there wasn't any prohibition really on on increasing rent. So it was kind of up to the market. So let's fast forward to the 1970s stagflation. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> and the passage of Proposition 13, which was aimed to cap property tax rates. And it was pretty major, right? Yeah, yeah. And to back up for a second, stagflation is a portmanteau between stagnance or stagnation and inflation. Basically, like this decade was defined by that term because there was an oil crisis going on. And huge inflation was happening while the economy wasn't growing, really. So that's where the term comes from. And yeah, with the passage of Proposition 13, that really had a big impact on renters, surprisingly. Proposition 13 caused what may be a record voter turnout. For 25 years, we've had increasing taxes on properties. Now it's a chance for the people to say something about it. This excess in spending, I just feel it's just getting out of hand. It's kind of like a Boston Tea Party that we're saying we've had it. And so renters were actually supportive of Prop 13, but that was because of what they were hearing from landlords, right? With inflation, landlords' property taxes were going up. All property owners were having their their property taxes go up. So pretty much it was getting so bad that a lot of property owners started to coalesce and advocate for this to kind of stop because it was unaffordable. Um, But they could still charge tenants more if they were renting out. And, you know, Larry Gross was one of the key people leading the fight for rent control and helped organize tenant unions. Landlords who were complaining about tax increases as the reason that they were raising rents went to their tenants and told them, if you vote for this, 
you will get a rent decrease if you don't vote for this. This will result in you getting more rent increases and evictions. And so tenants were supportive of it based on that promise. And when it did pass, instead of rents going down, they continued to go up. And there were a lot of people with the rising costs uh, looking to buy property here in L.A. It was definitely a seller's market at that time because costs were so high. Mm. Gross says that some apartment buildings were getting flipped four to five times a year. And after Proposition 13, he said the lid blew off really with rent. More on that after the break. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish, rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. I, Thomas Bradley, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution. So it sounds like at a certain point, renters started to organize to fight for their rights. And the LA mayor at that time, Tom Bradley, got behind some changes. What happened there? Yes. So during this time, keep in mind, like rent control in general was generally like getting more towards unfavored. Even the term itself was a bit fraught, which I think you still see today. So mm-hmm. when Tom Bradley, our previous LA mayor, came out and basically called for, I think he called it like rent stabilization or use a different term, but pretty much saying we need to fix our rent issue because rents were skyrocketing, people couldn't afford it. So what was proposed at the time was they temporarily, I think for like six months or a few months, they did a rent freeze again. We went back to that. Mm-hmm in LA city while, you know, our politicians, our mayor figured out how to roll out what we have today, which is the rent stabilization ordinance. It's pretty much rent control, but in prettier terms. Well, you just said rent control, but in prettier terms. Can you explain, because I feel like at a certain point people get rent control, rent freeze, rent stabilization. Like there's all these kind of like wonky terms (laughs) at a certain point that you're like, okay, are you able to explain some of that? Yeah, definitely. So rent freeze is your rent doesn't move pretty much for a given period. Rent stabilization is pretty much rent control, like I said, with prettier terms. That means, you know, you could have it where your landlord could only raise your rent by a certain percentage. Usually it's tied to inflation. So um, like a couple percent on top of inflation for that year, something like that. You could also have some versions of rent control that control a property's cost in between tenants. And as we know, as kind of history repeats itself, uh, things kind of swung in the favor of the landlords again on the statewide level. Yeah, definitely. So I think the first big thing is um, you have the Ellis Act of 1985. This was pretty much a, a state law put into effect that let landlords exit the rental market. Uh, that had controlled units that basically wanted to pull themselves out of rent control. Mm -hmm. But the deal was you have to leave the business and you could evict your tenants for that. Then in 1995, um, you had the Costa-Hawkins Act. 
And that was a big deal. Um, I think I described it as the slam dunk for landlords because it really was. Hmm. Um, It did a few key things. One is it definitely froze rent control laws in cities that already had them. So like LA, for example, their hands are kind of tied with expanding it or making rent control better because of Costa Hawkins. This statewide act was pretty much a way to kind of tamper down on some cities that were going a little bit more regulated with their approach to rent control. So like, for example, one of the big changes for Costa Hawkins was it took out that vacancy control portion where between tenants, the rent price couldn't go up to market rate. So if you've ever moved out of a property um, that you used to rent and then you see it back up on like Zillow, for example, and you're like, oh, that's like way more than I used to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't able to happen before Costa Hawkins in cities that had it. So L.A. never had this vacancy control bit, but West Hollywood and Santa Monica did. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like that Zillow thing you just mentioned happens way too often to people I know. Totally. So when did tenants' rights start to change to get a little stronger and how? You know, I think for a bit, you know, people have been trying to organize and and get stronger laws on the books. That really kind of came to a head with the Tenant Protection Act in 2019. It's not statewide rent control in a sense, but it does cap some rent increases. It's meant to kind of like cap the really large ones. It's 5% plus inflation, but it's interestingly does not apply to units built in the last 15 years. So there's still a bit of a gap. What's the status in the rent freeze that happened during the COVID-19 pandemic? So L.A. City, other other places in the county may still have some version up. But for L.A. City, we definitely still have a rent freeze going on for ones that are under the rent stabilization ordinance. That applies to ones built after, I believe, October 1st or a certain day of October of 1978. So definitely not all of L.A. City is protected right now, but that'll be in effect until the end of January next year. Got it. So... I mean, this is a very deep question, but I love to ask this. It's like, what's next? Because this battle over rents, it's all over the place. You know, I rent myself and I rent in a neighborhood that my parents used to rent for 600 bucks to now their neighbor pays like triple that, right? And so where is this going with the pricing in Los Angeles and rents? That's a good question. You know, I think definitely as we're coming out more of the pandemic, rents are are going up. I know my own rent went up to like the max that they could charge, Mm -hmm. um, which was never fun. But, you know, we also have in next year on the 2024 ballot, we'll be voting on a version of rent control for the state. So, you know, it could really change very quickly depending on how our elections go, what city governments do. I know in LA especially, a lot of people have been advocating for extended protections. And, you know, it's worth mentioning too, like Larry Gross with Coalition for Economic Survival is trying to stop a big eviction, I think, at Barrington Plaza with uh, the Ellis Act. So, and that could have a big effect on how that law is applied. So we'll have to see how it goes. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Cool, no problem. This was nice. You can find Caitlin's history of rent control on LAS.com. We'll also link it in the show notes. We're also going to put a link to a guide for renters that Elias housing reporter David Wagner put together. This episode was produced by Monica Bushman. The How to LA team includes Victoria Alejandro, Megan Botel, Evan Jacoby, and Erica Washington. Hasmik Pagosian is our engineer, and Megan Larson is our executive producer. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll be back here tomorrow. Hasta mañana.
Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Hey, it's Brian, the host of How to LA, a podcast that is a love letter to Los Angeles. Independent movie theaters are having a glow-up moment. Vidiots and Eagle Rock, amazing. We have our friends at the American Cinematheque. The Vista just reopened. In our new series, Revival House, we'll take you inside these spots and share their history. Because movie history is L.A. history. Listen to Revival House on How to L.A. wherever you listen to podcasts.